0: Radio this week, special guest, Tom Mez, one of the top, if not the top, okay, let's just say the top sales exec in Toronto when it comes to building up companies from an early stage and executing on a revenue-generating machinery. Tom, I want to talk to you about the corkscrew method. What is it? How do you employ it to open up relationships? I've never heard of it. What is the corkscrew
1: method? Well, nice to meet you, Kyle. It's been a while. It's been too long. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And thank you for a very generous introduction. I uh, Since since this is not a uh, competitive sports, it's hard to measure, but uh, but thank you. Uh, the corkscrew method. Uh, I'm doing a lot of uh, of um, mentoring and coaching to young salespeople and uh, people who are trying to get into the technology industry. Uh-huh. Um, I really took a, a, a liking to to this industry in around 1999 when I graduated from law school in Israel, and I realized that the whole world was going to to technology, and I was trying to get into that business. And that's the first time I used that that method without ever knowing that it it existed. It was never named before, and I never heard that before. But over time, I just realized that this is uh, the idea, uh-huh. and and, and the, the the specifics of it is that no matter what profession you're in, other than sales, let's say you're a lawyer, an accountant, uh, um, any other professional, trying to get the job is a completely separate discipline than the job itself. Fair enough? Yes. So getting hired by Deloitte to become an accountant has nothing to do with the work they are doing as an accountant. Right. However, a sales job is the only job where you're demonstrating your actual sales skills, your actual professional skills in the process of getting hired. And that makes us a little bit different. Yes. Because if Deloitte told you, listen, we are full, our our, our quota for hiring accountants is full for this year, we're not doing any more of that. Or if they say, look, your credentials are not at the level that we're willing to hire, you going back and banging your head against that wall is not going to add to your uh, professional cachet in their mind. No. However, when you're trying to get hired into a sales job and you're told no, and you keep coming back and you tighten up the corkscrew, then you're demonstrating the actual skills that the hiring manager would like to see from a, from a potential candidate. That is a very, very different uh, a, a paradigm, whereas in any other discipline, any other profession, it will gain you a restraining order. <laughs> in sales, you're starting to build mindshare around your capability.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so the interview is an assessment of your, uh, your sales ability, your ability to, uh, to ask the questions and advance the conversation and keep the discussion going. You can't take no for an answer. Uh, how do they get rid of you if they if they ever do get rid of you? I mean, do you...
1: Well, why would they want to get rid of you? Exactly. But No, no. The, 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 the assumption, of course, true, is that you didn't get hired in the interview. The formal interview is over, and they get back to you, and they say, it's done for now or forever. It just... This is not, you don't have enough experience. You don't have a pertinent experience in our industry. We want somebody more tenured. Somebody really, It's over at that point. The assumption is you've been told no. Yeah. And so the idea of getting rid of you is who are we trying to get rid of? We're trying to get rid of people who consume our time and generate negative value, Right because if you generate value, we'd love to keep you. We'd love to com- communicate. We may not be able to offer you a job, but we would love to continue in communication because you're a valuable person. You're either fun, funny, or you add business value. And I'm gonna tar- start breaking down the process for you uh, into the various components. Um, is, that, is that okay with you?
0: Absolutely, I wanna hear from
1: you. So if I'm a hiring manager, what are my problems? Um, The problem, the the initial or or sorry, the, the, the intrinsic core problem is that we've taken professionals and we've sliced their lives into three months, periods of time. Everything is done quarterly. So over time, if you're a manager, you start losing your ability to think in long term strategic planning You don't think in years. You barely think in one year increments when you're doing your annual SKO. Most companies are now doing two SKOs a year, a lot at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're thinking very tactically. On top of that tactical thinking, you got an incredible amount of noise coming from, emanating from your phone. Your laptop, everybody's, you know, back in the day when we had offices, people will knock on your door. I remember my managers, there will be a lot of interaction, a lot of noise. Now we're working from home, a ton of noise. Yeah. So when you're trying to think about people that you would need in your, in your beehive, in your, in your closed circle, you're not even thinking straight anymore because you're just missing details. So into that noise comes candidate, Tom. And, and you already told me no. So what are the elements that you're evaluating in a candidate? You're looking at their ability to network. You're looking at their ability to follow up. You're looking at their ability to value add. That's going to be the core tenet that we're going to discuss in a minute. You're looking at their persistence. And persistence uh, is, is a misleading word in that context. The, the boneheaded persistence of just following yeah. up blindly like a, yeah. like a cold caller, that's, right. that's not the right persistence. No. Yeah. And they're looking at your manners, how do you manage and finesse the continuous pressure on them, but without without being abrasive or without losing your patience. So they're looking at patience, the ability to develop a long-term campaign and about your ability to surround the target. So, so, so let's break it down a little bit. Um, <clears throat> there was a time I was trying to get hired by EMC. That was my first a big job, uh, a technology job in Canada, because I was right. doing, yeah, I was an expat in Australia and in Korea before that, and I, and, but, but when you come to Canada, there's a big focus on Canadian experience, yes. which is just a nice way of saying we like somebody who's connected. And, yeah. and so in the process of trying to get hired, I've been through the interviews, and big companies don't make decisions right away. They just won't. They're, they're going to tell you, we have a few candidates and we need time for our process. So what are you doing to in the uh, interim? this is 2004 or five. So this is a long time ago. At the time there were offices you could walk up to. There were people that you will speak to. So I was very focused on figuring out the two people that interviewed me or three, I was very focused on figuring out areas of value. With one of them, uh, I sent handwritten note. Today, it sounds even, I don't know if it's either even more out of the box or just strange today. But back in the day, it was not as common, but it was, it was useful. But the idea was just to demonstrate that you're thinking differently and that you're persistent. Another person made a comment in the interview about the, the interview just went into a conversation about quantum theory. Uh, and so after the interview, about a week later, I, I hand delivered the book about quantum theory that was written not for phys- uh, physicists but for normal laymen who wanted to. It's a Neil deGrasse book.
0: I uh, love okay. that guy. Are you kidding me? That guy makes science so much fun.
1: He's a fun dude. I like him.
0: So, so, you, uh, so you you, followed up on the tangent. So you went off on a tangent about, uh, about quantum physics. And
1: I didn't, but I honored it. Yeah.
0: And then you followed up by reading the book.
1: When you bring somebody a book. What are you saying? I was you saying to somebody when you bring them a book? You're saying, "I value your intellect. I listen to you. I value your intellect. Typically, these are not uh, these are not uh, a, a literature book. These are uh, um some sort of a professional book, right? So I value. I consider you somebody who expands, and and we're on a different level than just what are we going to do this quarter. Um. Another area that could be very, very useful, I haven't done it myself, but I recommended it specifically to a candidate that was looking for a job, is that he he had some connections from working in a golf course, and his connections were in one of the most uh, uh, sought-after accounts by the company was trying to get hired that didn't have a relationship there. Uh-huh. And so this, this kid is basically showing up to an interview and talking about, an account that nobody thinks he can even work with and he just said yeah and i'm happy to facilitate the relationship here and you can you can meet this person it's not a problem i have he's actually open to talking to you that's a massive value add and you're not even in the picture yet you just show up and you change and everybody has some connections and some were interesting and if you don't today you will tomorrow right and the process doesn't have to be weekly unless you're in a hiring process that's supposed to end by the end of a specific time frame. But if the, even if it takes over a longer period of time, a few months, you don't have to drip on a very regular basis. You just have to continuously keep them in their mind. Don't close the book on a pro. Okay, so... Cisco is not happening, I'm closing the books, and I'm not thinking about it until I reignite it again with a different opportunity. You just continuously keep those relationships because they may not ever hire you, but everybody knows that everybody's looking to hire. And so if you're interviewing for a very senior job, maybe that person will recommend you to a different group that is looking for somebody who's a little bit less senior. I'm going to let you ask the questions, because I've given you a lot of information,
0: this is a lot of information. Um, the uh, The way that you approach the follow up really demonstrates your sales skills. The networking aspect to it, you know, you've got the ability to demonstrate how good you are in a sales process through the interview. How did you get to the next stage where you actually got them to offer you the job? I mean, that's, that's what I really want to, uh, to hear about. I mean, you went from a no to a yes. That's magic. How did you get there?
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of which job I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to give you a different example, if you don't mind. And sure, okay. A few years ago, my previous manager came to Canada to interview me for a job. And this is seven or eight years ago. So he came down to meet me and we never met each other. He comes from New York, he flies into town and we're having this what animal would you be in the zoo and what vegetable you'd be in the basket? You know, we're trying to, get, <laughs> to feel each other, right? But it, it gets pretty quick, it, it, get, it gets into platitudes pretty quickly. Yeah. What happened to him that day is after we had about 15 minutes of a conversation, I said, okay, you're ready. We you have the full day for me, right? He says, yeah. And I started driving him around and I took him to see four of, um, at the time, it wasn't the biggest accounts in the country, but the, one of them was a power generation company. Another one was a, one of the largest accounting companies in the country. And there was one bank. So over the next four hours, uh, sorry, five, we're driving between different accounts where he meets the pertinent people. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm telling him, go ahead, pitch. Now, unbeknownst to him, I had the conversation with him in advance, and I said, look, I'm entertaining a career opportunity, you're a personal friend of mine, and I would really value your opinion. So what happens then is that I'm bringing this guy who was expecting just to have an interview and then spend a few hours at the airport and go back, and I'm filling his day with meetings where he's on the hot seat, and he's actually busy in, in presenting the company and pitching to them, but also to me at the same time. The client is not feeling like a client he's feeling like my trusted advisor Mm -hmm. he's feeling very important very listened to and i'm actually very interested in their opinion so after three four of those meetings we drive back to the airport and there are two opportunities on the go because two of those clients said that they're actually interested there was one meeting that was a hard no for some reason which is Effective for me is very interesting to me to understand why. So everybody got value out of it. And you go on the plane as the manager and you're flying back to New York. And the only thing that you can think about is how do I hire this person? All of a sudden, it's not a conversation about OTE and, and draws and, and, and how to limit the amount of options that you're getting in the hiring process. It's just how do I get this person who's just interviewing with me and already exposed me to three or four actual opportunities? Clients love it because they get exposed to new technology and they get to give their opinion. And of course, you love it because as the candidate, when you walk in, you immediately have some sort of a pipeline and you don't need to guess whether or not this product is sticky. Right. That's the difference between trying to close somebody somebody on a deal and having somebody just really want to close a deal with you.
0: Uh, Huge difference. Massive. Huge difference. I can really see uh, the uh, the effect of that. So you're you're basically enabling them to overcome the objections in their mind, uh, but doing it in such a way that you're not even pointing out the objective. So, you know, a bonehead like me would keep asking the same question, uh, well, why not, why not, why not? And really what you're showing them is the why, the how, and the possibilities, without ever really asking to remove the objection, you're giving them more of a potential. Is that kind of on the same track for what we're talking about? Am I am I yeah, slipping yeah. off the rails?
1: The idea is that with by changing um, by changing a few a few elements, everything is exist- Everything is in existence already. But by changing the dynamic a little bit and flipping the table a little bit, you generate value for everybody. You generate value to your prospect, clients, trusted advisors, because they get to get exposed to a new technology and give you their opinion. They feel good. They don't feel that they're being sold into. Yeah. Just advising. But if they like it enough, you have a prospect. You generate value for the hiring manager, who's very rarely going to an interview and getting opportunities. God forbid, there's somebody else who's interviewing the same day, and he just shows up and and throws up the, the regular stuff. I'm very persistent, yeah. and there. And and what's the chances of somebody like that winning an interview against you when you brought opportunities to the table? Yeah, very minimal. You basically eradicate the competition, and then of course you generate a ton of value for yourself. You build better relationship with your clients, better, more. Uh, 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 instant relationship with the hiring manager and paved the way to a much easier negotiation about OTE and, and, and compensation and potentially seeded your pipeline. So it's all, everything I talked about today in terms of corkscrew, in terms of value, it's all about thinking about performing the job before you get on the job. Show me, don't tell me that you can do it, show me. Treat the, treat the interviews if you already have the job. Pretty much, and I will tell you, I've done this before. Also, when I got a very cold reception from the prospects, and it saved me from taking the wrong move. That cannot be overestimated. That's a huge value to yourself not taking because we don't really know everything there is to know about the company before we're entering that company. Right. So, getting a little bit of unless your your career is in deep trouble right now and you really have to get hired, if you actually have a dilemma there. Then that will sort out. they will sort out a lot of the questions that you have in your mind, and you ask those questions, but you get answers from 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 the company. It was not really an unbiased party.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, effective. Um, can anyone pull it off? That's that's really, I think, the uh, the takeaway. You know, to go forward with it. Um, do you need to be a certain type of person with a certain type of, uh, of charisma? Or can anyone, uh, even, a, even a schlub like me, develop these types of, uh, of, of very sophisticated, uh, value-added conversations?
1: A good question. Um, I can tell you that in my life, I've done a few things that a lot of people say, this. I could never do that. And when you do them, you realize they're quite simple. Uh, If you don't have any selling bone in your body and you're not interested in becoming a professional salesperson uh, with all that comes with it, then maybe it's not a great idea. But if you're already in the game or really burning to get in the game, it's really important to you to become a a, a player in this industry that is probably going to dominate our world for the next for the foreseeable future, more than any other industry, then I think that you should be able to do it. There's not much to it. So, so let's, let's sum it up. What do you need to do? You need to treat the job, take any sales book. They'll talk about all the traits of a, of a successful salesperson. They'll talk about follow-up and persistent. They'll talk about networking. Just do it. It's, it's part of, I mean, if you're not doing it already, then, then maybe it's a, it's a question of the fit of the industry with your personality. But if, if you can do those things then that will be the work that you will be doing and then thinking about adding value if you find yourself feeling like a door-to-door salesperson or, or a used car salesperson asking the same question again or asking those what would it take to get you into this <laughs> to this car today kind of questions uh, then you might not be going about it very uh, correctly but if you are thinking about relationships, if you're thinking about all the things that were said in the interview that are basically breadcrumbs and clues to to the direction you want to take and generating value, generating opportunities or information or interaction with potential clients, you're going to kill it. I know you like to treat yourself as a a schmo just to self-deprecate for the conversation, but there's no question that not only you can do it, that you have done it. And when it comes to younger people or people who are just less experienced in the industry, um, sometimes it's just a matter of a little bit of coaching and, and believing in yourself or having somebody believe in you. I was lucky enough to have uh, a few people believe in me early on.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that mentor relationship is key. Well, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an amazing story and a great presentation, Tom. I think it really shows off why you're so good at what you do. You know, taking that approach, it seems to be that's the uh, that's the approach to take if you want to develop that type of success. The um, the service leadership, leading by service, being a leader by giving, and putting yourself out there as someone who is approaching the conversation with the intent to give, to add value, to offer something up. That really is uh, as, as simple as, uh, as putting yourself in, in, a, in a service position. I mean, do you consider yourself a, a servant of your clients in, in that sense that you're, uh, you're, you're, you're there to, to help them achieve something uh, in a very selfless way? I mean, is it, is it possible to put yourself aside from who you are and take that approach?
1: Uh, so it's a really interesting question, um, and and it absolutely room for a philosophical discussion about is there ever an act of giving that is selfless? When you're giving to your children, are you giving to your children, or are you just doing something to to fill a quota in that heart in terms of how good of a parent are? Is there any selfless giving? Is a big question. Mm-hmm. I can tell you how I feel about my clients. It's a little bit easier because the boundaries are, are, uh, are a little bit uh, uh, more clear. Uh, the first thing is are, ask yourself the following questions. One, am I doing things always for the sake of uh, being paid? For example, I never use the term I'm coin-operated no. because I'm not coin-operated. I absolutely relish in my customer success. Some of my clients have been with me for 15 years, but mm, 12, of them, 12 of them, I wasn't their vendor. We're just friendly. Uh, because we like each other. So um, am I always doing things with with an outcome in mind, with a financial outcome in mind? The second thing is, um, am I helping and and happy for my client's progression, whether or not it's related to to revenue? Um, Am I always optimizing the value that I deliver with my company to be the right for the client or am i jamming a little bit more than i should just because we're trying to it's okay if we're doing it together if you have an extra budget that you want to spend that's okay but am i being fair and um, do i see myself as a servant i see i definitely see myself as a as a client advocate uh, it, it 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 leads to thinking politically with them it leads to making sure that their projects are successful with you so they don't uh, take any political flack. these days. Companies are very political, and TCOs and ROIs are measured backwards. There's a lot of views into into how people doing their business and financial governance. So absolutely on that front, it's caring about people and, and from a personal perspective. I happen to know a lot about. I'm, I can tell you, uh, some of my clients' kids have interned at companies that I worked because those young kids needed a place to to technology and, and, and get, uh, their, mm-hmm. get their get uh, their first dip in the water and uh, and of course on a personal level and 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 it even goes further to unfortunately in the last downturn a lot of uh, not a lot but enough of my clients have been impacted and uh, over the years I've been able to help a lot of them find a home in different companies mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's sort of like you pick your, your your friendships and you stick with them over a long time, whether or not you're a vendor at this time or you're selling something that is not applicable to them. We're just, we're just people going through life. But, but you tie a, a manager to a tree and 20 years later, you have a vice president, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These people just stay in the organization and they grow. And if you just keep treating them well and, 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 and do the right thing by them, they'll get back to you. It's yeah. value. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful message. It's a hopeful one. I really appreciate you sharing it, Tom. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure talking to you as always. Keep up the good work and uh, keep bringing, those, uh, bringing that smile to people's faces, doing the right thing for the right reasons. It's, uh, it's something that we can all aspire to every day
1: now Kyle it's a pleasure talking to you and it's amazing that it's full daylight at my place but you have the northern lights behind you <laughs> it's incredible
0: it's it's 24 hour northern lights up
1: here
0: <laughs> thank you very much thank you Tom cheers buddy be well